The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Well, good morning. I think I need to start with, I I won't call it an apology because I really didn't believe I was lying to you. But last time I, I spoke to you and we had a Sunday morning broadcast, I said this will be the last time that I am talking in an empty room. Well, that didn't turn out to be the case. Uh, as concerns about the COVID continue, uh, we thought it'd be best to continue to have the services on Sunday morning outside. Uh, really a great setup for distancing. People can, I mean, there's a cornfield behind us. Actually, there's a soccer field, then a cornfield. So you can get as far away from people as you want and still be there and, and, so, and uh, gathering as far as worshiping the Lord. So we want to remind you of that, invite you to join us. But we've decided we're going to continue that for the next three weeks. So that, I think the last Sunday of that then will be April the 2nd. In the meantime, however, for those of you that can't uh, join us for that, we would love you to keep joining us uh, for our online uh, sermons. So we'll be doing that at 1045 on Sunday morning. Okay, now down at the sports complex, we're going to meet at 10 to try to beat the heat. But we're going to still be online at 1045 live on Sunday mornings uh, for this week and the next two coming. And then we're also going to be continuing the midweek momentums on Wednesday. So hopefully you can catch up with those things too and, and stay just getting some of God's truth into your life on a regular basis through those two avenues. Anyway, today... Sermon is entitled, take a wild shot at it there, we're going to call it Stand Firm, and we're going to get to that for a minute, in a minute here. We are going to go into, we're going to read about five or six verses in the book of 2 Thessalonians. Now, we've been going through the book of Acts, but while the Apostle Paul is staying at Corinth, where he was last week, uh, he gets out his trusty pen and paper, and he writes a couple letters to the folks up at Thessalonica. In fact, uh, a few weeks ago I said when we looked at the book of Galatians that that was the first book that Paul wrote. Uh, There's an argument about that. Some people think it's Thessalonians, some people think it's Galatians. And the church really doesn't have enough to argue about right now, so I thought I'd bring that up. Maybe we we could start a little argument about which book Paul wrote first. It's really not that all important. What we do know is that Paul from Corinth, did write to Thessalonica. And I wanted you to kind of gather a little bit of the theme in what he was writing here before we get into, as I said, five little verses that we're really going to dig into. Um, In the book of 1 Thessalonians, uh, he talked a lot about the coming of the Lord, and also he would talk about the day of the Lord. In other words, he's talking about, uh, if you want to say eschatology, that's our big word, but the end times, uh, the fact that Jesus is coming back. Uh, and really focusing on that through the book of 1 Thessalonians. He also does that in 2 Thessalonians. What I wanted to show you is, before I uh, get into reading or studying a book, I like to skim through, first of all, and read the little subtitles that they put in the Bible, just so I have an idea where things are going. Here are the first four subtitles of the book of 2 Thessalonians. Okay, actually first five, because greetings and thanksgivings are separate. So first of all, uh, Paul just says, hey, how are you? Uh, then he writes to them, and uh, he says, hey, thank, thank God. Thank God for you. Thank God for God. Uh, just a little Thanksgiving time there. But look at those next two. The next little paragraph talks about the judgment of Christ's coming and then the man 
of lawlessness. Okay, now if you're familiar, the other name that we might call the man of lawlessness, we would call him the Antichrist. Okay, he that is going to come before Jesus returns to the earth at a time when the earth is really steeped in evil. Now, before we get into our passage, I want to talk just briefly, I guess I'll say about prophecy. Uh, I have mentioned before, I do not do preaching on prophecy, at least not much. I'd love to give you a great explanation as to how, why, and it's not beneficial for you, and something like that. But the very simple truth is this. I don't know that much about prophecy. I am very far from an expert uh, in end times coming. And just to, uh, to dive into that, I think would be a little bit over my head, just to be quite honest with you, uh, to understand everything that, uh, that is going on now and even as it relates to prophecy. But what is incredibly plain here in Thessalonians is that we're talking about the coming, the arrival of this man, that uh, in him... Human evil really climaxes, okay? I mean, this guy is just the epitome of all that we could say is evil and that is bad, and he will be worshipped upon the earth. And if you would agree with me, just for a few minutes, that the situation on this earth now is primed for somebody to come in, somebody that can speak calmly, somebody that can bring an air of peace, uh, even if it is false, and somebody that can uh, settle down some of the arguments and bring people together behind him that could very easily be worshipped. Now, am I suggesting that uh, Jesus is coming back very soon? That's not a bad suggestion, but I'm not really even saying that. But I have great liberty in telling you that God wants us, want, gives us some of the truths of 1 Thessalonians for hard times. Uh, and he wants us to know that the dark times are coming. And here is how we are to stand firm in those dark times. God wants us to know that. And I can say with great confidence that I'm not out of line. Because even if Jesus isn't coming back very, very soon. Even if these are, events aren't unfolding now before our eyes. We do know that the evil uh, that is going to animate uh, this man, this man of sin, this man of lawlessness, that evil is already present in the world. And we also know that even if it is not eminent, even if it is not coming back right uh, you know, within our lifetimes, we are 2,000 years or about 2,000 years closer than the Apostle Paul, and he warned about it. So certainly I'm not out of line saying, hey, there is darkness in this world. There is darkness to come, but God has a prescription for us that during those dark times we can stand firm. Make decent sense? Okay, you ready? So let's look at how it is that we are supposed to stand firm. I looked at that little subtitle in the Bible and I thought, okay, we're going to uh, tear into that section a little bit. It's just about five verses. And we're actually going to start in the middle of that section. Uh, so we're in chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians, verse number 15. And it begins with these words, So then, brothers... Stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Those first two words, so then. Okay, there's something before this. You're in dark times or dark times are coming. So then, because of something, I want you to stand firm. Well, because of what? If we're going to find out what it is that God tells us, we need to jump back a little bit into the previous verses. So let's, let's go back to verse uh, number 13. And uh, see what we have here. My magical, hey, the good old days, my magical switcher is not magically switching. There we go. 
Uh, but verse number 13 begins with this. But we ought always to, first of all, give thanks to God for you. Let me stop for one second and say this. And this is just kind of a side before we get into, I think, the major meat. But uh, the first thing he does is, in dark times, he says, let's stop and thank the Lord. In dark times, let's focus on what God is doing. You know, when the elders and I gathered back in the second or third week of March, whenever everything was going, one of the first things we said is, hey, what are some truths that we want to get out to people? And we listed three. Actually, I had written down two. I said, uh, I said we got to make sure that people keep hearing and keep knowing that our God is sovereign, that he's in charge. He hasn't lost control of everything. He knows what's going on. And secondly, I said, we want to communicate the message that during hard times, we want to keep our focus on others. We want to be serving other people. And I threw open to the elders, I said, what else? What other big message do we want to have? And, and, uh, and one of them, I, th I think Chris said at, at the time, he said, well, we want to make sure that during this journey, w w as we go through this, that we are watching and seeing what God is doing. And I think that's exactly what the Apostle Paul was saying during dark times. Okay, yes, things are going to get tar dark, but we ought to give thanks to God. Okay, as we journey through this, let's focus on the fact that God, yes, is still in control and he continues to work in people's lives. Let's remember that. Now, as, uh, as you can see up there or may, maybe on the, on the screen at home there, I've highlighted some more words as we go through here. And I saw seven different words in the next couple verses that I want you to think about with me for a few minutes. Because I want us today to be reminded of who we are in Christ. Okay? Remember those words we had, so then, why? Why are we to stand firm? We are to stand firm because of who we are in Christ. And these verses here, beginning in, in verse number 13, give us a great picture of, of exactly who we are in Christ. So our first highlighted word, it says, beloved of the Lord. The first thing that I want you to remember, that I plead with you to remember, that I want you to stop and actually think about for a couple minutes now. Slow down, stop, uh, set your mind on this for a minute that you are loved and that you are loved by God. I read this week that the quality of your uh, of, of the experience of love that you have is determined by the capacity of the giver. Let me say that again. The quality of the love that you receive is determined by the capacity of the giver. Now think about that for a minute. So as we focus on the fact that I am loved by the one who is love, by the one who defines love, I am loved by God. You know, as um, my siblings and I have discussed our family history, um, there's no doubt that there has been a weakness of the ability to love well. And uh, we saw that in our parents. They just really struggled with that. Uh, but we understood that somewhat because we saw that in our grandparents, too, that, that, that just really uh, that wasn't something that was part of their makeup. They hadn't been taught to do that well. They weren't capable, really, of showing love very well. And as, as my siblings and I have sought to advance that or improve upon that and hope that that will be the case and future generations will do even better with that, but we understand that in our family it's kind of like the the people that we needed some love from weren't really all that suited to give us that love. We are loved by the author of love. We are loved by God. Would you, would you hold on to that for a second and say, hey, the first thing I have in my identity in Christ, the first thing that will help me stand firm in dark times is I am loved. 
As I go on there, look at the second word, that, or the next word that we've highlighted, because God chose you, okay? Not only am I loved, but I am chosen. Chosen. My excitement about this, my comfort in this is not found in the fact that I have grabbed onto him, but more in the fact that he has grabbed onto me. Okay, I have notoriously, this is incredibly humbling to admit, as a younger man I would have never said this, but now I really don't give a rip anymore, uh, but I have incredibly weak grip strength. I always have had it. I mean, I was that husband that the wife would say, honey, could you open this jar? And I had to pretend like I needed to go out to the garage for some other reason so I could get the giant channel locks and get it open, because if she couldn't open it, I probably wasn't going to be able to either. Uh, and the more nervous I'd get about things and realize how embarrassing it was, my hands would sweat and it would get even worse. I do not have very good grip strength, but here's the thing. When, when I think about the, the idea of my connection to God, it is not reliant upon my grip strength. It is reliant upon His grip strength, for He has chosen me. In His hand, I am held. Third word, or next word as we come up there. You as the first fruits to be saved, okay? Saved from eternal damnation. Now, I don't know if that's something that churches today say a whole lot. Maybe that word saved is too old-fashioned. You'll have to talk to Paul. He used it here. But I am loved. I am chosen. I am saved through sanctification. I am also sanctified by His Spirit. Now, you might look at that word, and if you're familiar with the word, you think sanctified means, well, that means to be holy, and that doesn't fit me. The word sanctified also means to be set apart. God has set you apart. Um, when we uh, gather together for vacation, actually any vacation, I revert to an old habit, uh, and that is I really like Pepsi. You know, they always say if you give up Pepsi for a while, then you'll lose your taste for it. That just never works for me. I can give it up for months, and, I, and you know, just hearing that little pop and the bubbles, it's just like coming home again every time. So when I go on vacation, I just figure I'm on vacation. I want to enjoy it. I'm going to drink Pepsi. So we'll get together with my family, and I always have a certain number of Pepsis that are my Pepsis. Okay, uh, no touchy. My, uh, my wife actually doesn't really like them that much, so, she, so I'm safe there. My daughter and her husband, uh, they don't drink them, so I'm safe there. But my son and his wife will sneak my Pepsis. Actually, that's not right. They don't even sneak them. They just boldly take them, pop them right open in front of me and drink them and, and uh, you know, act as if they were theirs. So we have a trip coming up in a couple weeks here, and uh, I am thinking I better make sure that I have a safe compartment. In other words, before I go, I'm setting some Pepsis aside because I don't want them disappearing. I am setting them aside. I am marking them as mine. These are mine. I am loved. I am chosen. I am saved. I am set aside by God to Him. Okay? Now, I got to say, one of the things I struggle with most is just, uh, you know, looking at, at chairs right now. Because I want to get so excited about this. It is so important that we get into uh, and understand our identity in Christ. And these words, I hope, are ringing over in your head. I am loved. I am chosen. I am saved. I am sanctified. And I am believing by the Spirit. I am sanctified by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Word number five there on our list is we are believing in the truth. Will you once again, can I just ask you to agree with me on this? We live in incredible days of uncertainty. 
Do you really know who to believe? The uh, same source will change their story where they'll go back and forth and, and one week they'll be saying this and the next week they'll be saying that. And then you have this other source over there that contradicts them any, anywhere and in everything we get so much and it's like, okay, what do I actually believe? What do I know is true? But in Christ, I have a belief that is founded in the truth. Okay, again, just like I have a love from love, I have I am believing in the truth of truth, truth personified in Jesus Christ. A couple more words as we move into the next verse there. Um, and this you are called, okay? To this you are called. That is the next verse that we have, that I am called through the gospel. The gospel, that message that God so loved the world, that Jesus laid down his life, that Jesus was killed that Jesus died bearing the weight of my sin, but that he was buried and that he rose again victorious over sin. I am called through that message of the gospel. How much the gospel needs to, be, uh, needs to continue to be the anchor of the church and the message that we are proclaiming, for I am called through the gospel. It is because of, the, I'm sorry, because of God's love that there is a message of the gospel. And the seventh word that I want you to see is that word there, glory. That I am also glorified. I may obtain the glory that I am also glorified. You say, that one's hard to swallow, preacher. You're saying we're glorified. Listen, my righteousness has never, listen, my, my righteousness has never been measured by how little I sin. My righteousness is found in the person of Jesus Christ and my faith and trust in him and in his, and in his forgiveness. And I have that future promise, that glorification promise there. So I go through, okay, and I look, uh, you know, for this anchor, for this reason why I can stand. And as you do that, may I say this to you, never, listen, never underestimate the miracle of your salvation. Go through those seven words. Never take that lightly. Never underestimate the miracle of your salvation. Your faith is the fruit of an amazing work of God that began in eternity, that rolled through the cross of Calvary and through an empty tomb and was put into effect in your life by the Holy Spirit. So therefore you can say, I am loved, I am chosen, I am saved, I am sanctified, I am believing, I am called, I am glorified. Do not miss that. So then, because of that, because those things are true in my life through Jesus Christ, so then... I can stand firm. There's a little bit more, a couple more verses I want to call your attention to, uh, 16 and 17 here. Verse number 16 begins with these words, Now may, after he said stand firm, he says, Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and the God our Father. I want to highlight that word himself, but I just want us to think about where our faith is directed, where our hope is directed. I, okay, I, one of the things that I struggle with a little bit doing this, talking in an empty auditorium, and why I'm looking around when I say that, I have no idea. There's nobody here. Uh, but when I, when I do that, um, I struggle with the idea of feeling like I'm performing, you, you know, just putting on a show. And, and to be, I, I think many preachers do. I'm, I'm not sure. I know I do. You know, sometimes I struggle with, oh, well, I'm going to say this. Whoop-de-doo, wow, this is going to set them off. Somebody's going to yell, amen, this is good stuff. 
and I really, uh, when I catch myself doing that, I hate that. I really do. I, I don't want to be putting on the show, you know, I don't want to do the preacher speak and, oh, man, you know, sound like the old, uh, the old boy who's, uh, you know, tickling the ear, uh, you know, whatever. I, I, don't, I just don't like putting on a show like that. So the next thing I want to say, I'm a little bit hesitant because I don't want it to sound like that. I don't want it to sound like canned sermons. You know, I heard somebody else. I want to say this because I believe it is completely true, and I do believe it is completely true. Our hope is in the Lord himself. Our hope is in the Lord himself. And again, I don't want to say this in a showy way, but if you right now are thinking, hey, you know, come November... When we get the, the Democrats in control again, things are going to settle down. Or come November, when the Republicans hold serve, things are going to settle down. And my hope is in the Republicans, or my hope is in the Democrats, or my hope is in the Libertarians, or the Green Party, or the Whigs, or the Tories, or whoever. You're, I, you're misguided. You just are. You say, well, no, that's not really. A, how about in a vaccine? Uh, my hope is that doctors are going to come up with a vaccine and, and you pray to that end. And, and I'm not mocking that at all that you would do that. But yet at the same time, I want to tell you, that's not going to solve all the problems. There are problems that go to the heart of man. There is hatred. There is evil in our world. And the, the one that we look to is for help is to Jesus Christ himself and God the Father. When our world is overwhelmed in darkness, and would you look at the context of 2 Thessalonians here, that's what he's saying. The time is when the world is overwhelmed in darkness, but I want you to stand firm. Here's how. Hold on to, first of all, who you are in Christ, but secondly, receive from God what you need. So in these verses, we'll see a couple things that we need who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. And then the next verse. And comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Receive from God what we need. Receive the comfort. Receive the encouragement from God. Receive the strength that we would be established, that we would be strengthened. Can you, with me, I hope so. I hope today we can look and we can find comfort in the one who laid down his life. Okay, who shed his blood, who died for your sins. Can you find comfort in the man of sorrows who came and bore our grief, our sorrow, our pain, our sin, our shame? Can you find comfort in that? Can we find strength? Can we find encouragement in the one who rose victorious over sin and death? Can we just look at him today? I thought, well, there, there's no better way to look at him than to uh, do what we call take communion or uh, some call it the Holy Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. And, uh, you know, I brought a little container up here, but I got thinking about that. You know, obviously, this is kind of a weird setup here. I, I decided to, uh, to look at a passage in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11 where Paul is talking about the Lord's Supper when he writes to them at Corinth. And I found the phrase at the beginning of that. He says, in the first place, when you come together as a church. And then later on, he says that same thing as when you come together. And this really is not something that I'm going to take by myself just to demonstrate or anything like that. This is something for believers to do together. 
on Sunday morning uh, down at the sports complex, those that can be here, I'm, we're, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together because this is something that uh, God has instructed us to do, that we stop and that we remember the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we stop and we remember the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf. Again, is there any better way to stop and look to Him? But um, after I read that verse, after I read that verse that says, when we come together, the apostle stopped and he said, I hear that there are divisions among you. So basically, if you're going to come together, if we are going to come together and observe the Lord's Supper, he says, this can't be. We cannot be living with these divisions. You know, the book of 1 Corinthians is very interesting because he's writing to a rather worldly, wicked church, and there are all types of sins that he has to address, uh, including immorality. Uh, but, but the thing that he decides to address first in chapter 1 is divisions, fighting among themselves. I, uh, I mentioned last week or the week before that I, I, I was kind of proud of myself for this. I, you know, I thought, hey, you know what? I'm not chasing every little trend. I'm just preaching the Bible. I'm not trying to chase every little trend. And I was kind of bragging about that to my daughter and her husband. I said, hey, uh, I'm trying to, you know, not to go the same route that everybody else is going. And they kind of looked at each other, and then they looked at me. They've been listening to three or four different preachers, and they said, Dad, you're preaching the same thing as everybody else is right now. <laughs> I, I said, what? Uh, little ungrateful kids, uh, but I said, what, 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 do, you, what do you mean? And he said, yeah, you've been talking about being kind to each other and stuff like that and, and uh, you know, and divisions and stuff. And that's what every preacher is talking about. You see, the heart of a preacher breaks right now. It's kind of like the heart of a parent who watches his kids fight. I'm going to address this a little bit more in the midweek momentum this week, um, but <laughs> I, I don't know how else to say this. If we, as the people of God, cannot learn to agree to disagree on some things and to continue to treat each other with love and kindness and stay focused on our ultimate purpose of loving Jesus Christ and sharing Jesus Christ with a lost world, we're going to rip ourselves apart. I mean, plain and simple. If we, I can't get a position that we can all take and we can all agree on. I can't. I can't do it. If we cannot agree, uh, agree that we can disagree with other people and still love them and still treat them kindly and respectful, we are going to rip ourselves. We're going to rip the church of Jesus Christ apart. So as we look to the broken body of Jesus Christ, as we look to the shed blood of Jesus Christ, may I remind you what the Apostle Paul did here. He said, hey, first of all, we better address the fact that there's divisions among you. This isn't what we're about, folks. And this cannot be what we're about. The enemy is rejoicing as he drives a wedge between God's people. Father in heaven, um, I, I don't know how dark days will get. I mean, sometimes I look and I, I think, Father, this, is, this has got to be setting the stage for the end times or we're in the end times. And, and then sometimes I just 
You know, I realize there have been darker days. I, I get that. But Lord, in dark times, you have given us what we need to stand firm. You've given us a new identity in you. Lord, would you help your people claim that identity today? Would you help them grab a hold of this truth in Scripture of why they can stand firm and how they can stand firm in the new identity that you have given them through Jesus Christ? Father, would you strengthen them? Would you comfort them? Would you encourage them? Would you equip us even further uh, for the days that we face right now? And King of Kings, would you please melt people's hearts? Would you break through the hatred that dominates our world and find its way into your family? I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.